0: Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back for another Pulse of Israel, Israel at War update. So I want to touch upon a few different things. First, I'll give you the update about the actual war efforts. Good news about the war efforts. From little news items that are getting out there, it looks like Israel, while not yet sending in the ground troops, Israel is already starting to bomb the huge underground city tunnel network in Gaza, at least in northern Gaza area, from little I'm reading, which I really, really hope is true. I'm hoping and praying that it is true. This is unbelievably good news. Now, let me explain to you why it's good news. As I've, I've mentioned this a number of times, that I really don't want um, Israel sending in the IDF ground troops, which includes my son and uh, sons of many of my friends and people who I know personally, I don't want them sending in the ground troops until the underground tunnel system is destroyed or all the Hamas terrorists down there, which is around 40,000, we're being told, are, like, smoked out or watered out or gassed out so that they're out of those tunnels and they're up on top because Gaza is a death trap with that underground tunnel city system. Because right? we send in our ground troops and then Hamas fighters just come out of nowhere under their tunnel systems and we're sitting ducks and it, it's going to be horrendous. So I've been saying since the beginning that I didn't want to send in uh, ground troops until we took care of the underground city. Okay, Now, the upper echelons of the army from everything I was reading, was actual, were, they were the ones actually pushing for the ground invasion to begin already without taking care of the underground tunnel system, which you anyone who's been following me knows how much I distrust the upper echelons of the army and intelligence. It's been their fault that we're in this situation today with, over, with the thousands of massacred, mutilated, innocent Jews, babies, toddlers, children, mothers, grandmothers, men, and kidnapped as well. They're the ones who, for security reasons, told Israel to, to that we should give away our land in Judean and Samaria and Gaza to the terrorist organization, PLO, under the arch-terrorist Yasser Arafat, and give them guns. And then they are the security experts who told us we should uh, expel 10,000 Jews out of the Jewish communities in the Ga- in the Gaza Strip in Gush Katif, and destroy 21 Jewish communities, right? Because it would be better for Israel's security that it would be safer and less less Jews and IDF soldiers would be killed, all those experts, the Oslo syndrome security experts, they've been proven to be failures. And here today, they're the ones who are saying, no, 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 we should go in. And Benny Gantz is one of those failures. And Eisenkatt is one of those failures. And they're right now in the, the war committee together with Netanyahu. And Netanyahu also doesn't trust the upper echelons, which is why he really never sent them in to take care of Gaza, I believe, because he knew they wouldn't be able to do it. They just didn't have the leadership. So what changed? So what changed, and this is the good news, if this is true, and this is what looks like is true. The past number of years I've been following up on a re- retired former general of the Israeli army named Yitzhak Brick. And Yitzhak Brick, for years, he was actually recruited by the army around 10 years ago, and forgive me if I don't get the dates correctly, to investigate the readiness of the IDF for war. Okay? So I'm giving good news, everybody. So the good news, the, the good news is that this former retired IDF general found out that the IDF was not ready for war. And he wrote up a full 140-page report. He, like, investigated every single nook and cranny of the IDF. Okay? I'm going to be getting to the good news. But the IDF chiefs of staff and their upper echelon officers never took him seriously because they didn't want to be looked at as if that things were a problem. So they dismissed him and they never took him seriously. And he, uh, he went to Netanyahu uh, years ago, and Netanyahu was shocked to find out, like, all the information the army was telling him was wrong, that the army wasn't ready for war. And then Netanyahu's government fell. And then he went to this Aluf Brick, went to Naftali Bennett. Naftali Bennett was shocked by all the information he told him, and Naftali Bennett was going to do something about it, and then his government fell. In any case, what was this getting to? The past number of weeks, or the past two weeks, I know it's been reported this uh, uh, former General Brick has met Netanyahu twice. And I've seen the interviews where he said that he told Netanyahu, he didn't go into detail, but he told Netanyahu not to send in the ground troops. Instead he should take care of the underground ground system, tunnel system, only after the tunnel system is gone and only after the, the, the Hamas terrorists come out of it, whatever surviving terrorists come out of the tunnels, only then to send in the ground troops. And in the meantime, even if it takes months, take care and prepare the army for a real outright war. All right, so that, and the other thing he also told him is Um, Instead of sending in ground troops while we are destroying the tunnel network, focus on freeing the hostages. How focus on freeing the hostages? And this is what his advice is. I don't know if Prime Minister Netanyahu is taking this advice. He said, they want their prisoners freed. Free them. Free all the Hamas prisoners out of Israeli jails, send them to Gaza, and then bomb them and kill them in Gaza. What do you lose? Use them as pawns to get all the hostages free, all the, all the, all the uh, innocent uh, mothers, children, toddlers, uh, grandmothers, men, right? Who, uh, hopefully they should all be alive. Please, God, they should all be alive and well, and who, or, or whatever, whoever is. Do that. Get, go, get. Why do we need them in our jail? Allow them to watch television and earn university degrees and all the special rights and treat it like, treat it like they're, they're, they're in kindergarten with silk gloves. Send them to Gaza. We're going to be bombing the heck out of Gaza anyway and killing all the Hamas terrorists. Send them to Gaza. And then we kill them, right? Kill two boards with one stone. Get them out of our jails. Send them to Gaza and kill them in Gaza together with all the other terrorists. And for that, we get our hostages free. So that was his advice that he publicly said to to Prime Minister Netanyahu. Don't know if Netanyahu is working on that. But in the meantime, it does seem that Netanyahu has uh, delayed the ground invasion, which, again, I've told you is good news. And they're trying to be beginning trying to take out the underground tunnel city system to, so that it will be safer when we finally do send in the IDF ground troops. All right? That is good news. So that's the update on the war front right now. Now, I want to bring up another issue with you. This war started on Simchat Torah, Okay, this war started on Simchat Torah, the massacre, the invasion took place on the morning of Simchat Torah. Right? It was, well, it was almost three weeks ago already, I think we're on day 19 of this war. Okay? I was called up on that day, uh, my son who was out for, the, for, for Shabbat Simchat Torah weekend, uh, they all let out of his unit on Friday, was called up Shabbat Simchat Torah morning and had to return to his unit, go down south. I was called up at Mincha time uh, in the afternoon to join my unit and start doing uh, guard duties in order to pre- prepare and protect us if anything would happen here in the Judea and Samaria area. Okay, now, why, what am I getting at? So today, I saw a video, and it was a shocking, shocking video of Israelis in Tel Aviv Okay. Israelis and Tel Aviv, remember, this is before Simchat Torah, right? This is the Thursday before Simchat Torah, right? Simchat Torah, Shabbat, Shabbat, Simchat Torah, Friday night Shabbat. So this, this was made on Thursday. And it was at the anti-judicial reform protests. Now remember, everyone, I totally forgot this. But what were they protesting then? They were protesting the fact that religious Jews would be having public dancing celebrations for Simchat Torah, right? It became a whole anti-Judaism protest movement, and it was tearing the country apart, protesting against public celebrations of Judaism, of our religion, in the Jewish state of Israel. I mean, it's hard to believe, like, it was a totally different reality, it was a different world then. But that's what was going on right before Simchat Torah. So what was the shocking video? So this guy was at one of these protests before Simchat Torah. It was a Thursday. I guess it was uh, the war started October 7th. So I guess it was October 5th. And he says, tomorrow we're getting together. This is all in Hebrew. Tomorrow we're getting together for the final day before the war is going to break out. And he was referring to Shabbat, Simchat Torah. And I'm like, oh my God, what, what the heck? He's talking about a war breaking out of Simchat Torah? What, what does he know that I don't know? What's he talking about? So I'm thinking, oh my God, are these leftists involved in planning the war? No, was like nuts, really nuts. In any case, someone said, hmm, Avi, maybe he was, and he used the word war. He goes, this is the last time we're getting together before the war breaks out on Simchat Torah on October 7th. So someone mentioned to me, Avi, he's probably meant referring to the religious war because they were going to go protests and 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 further destroy Israeli society because of the public celebrations for Simchat Torah and he was calling it a war like a war against Jews for 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 celebrating our religion in the Jewish state of Israel okay so that's the bad part but now the good part They were planning on destroying Israeli society by going after our Jewish character and shaming the Jewish community in Israel, which is a majority of the Jewish population. Even if not everyone is religious, majority of Jews in Israel are traditional and they celebrate the holidays even if not exactly as other religious people do, but in their way. And, and the public celebrations in the streets are not for the religious people. Religious people go to synagogues where we celebrate our public, ce- our celebrations, whether it's Pesach or Sukkot or Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah, right? We go to synagogue. The public celebrations and public prayers are for the traditional Jews. So that they're not comfortable to go to synagogues, so they're able to have places to go to where they feel comfortable, because not everyone feels comfortable going to a synagogue that they don't go to normally, right? So here, they were going to go to war and shame the Jewish character of the state of Israel and try to bury it and erase it. And he, again, this guy, one of the leaders, was saying the war is starting on, on Simchat Torah. Look where we are today. Today, we have Jews all over Israel tying tzitzit, right, tzitzit, these are my tzitzit guys, right, tzitzit. You have Jews all over Israel tying tzitzit and handing them out to soldiers, and soldiers even who are traditional and not religious, but who believe that, oh my God, we're Jewish, and we want the power of the Jewish people and the power of God behind us in order to win this war. So you have soldiers who are not religious or live religious lifestyles, Wearing tzitzi today. Wearing tzitzi. And I don't know if I told you the story before. I might have, and if I did already, forgive me. But there was a, a story that was going around of one father who contacted his daughter saying, Oh my god, you just joined the Israeli army. Now's a great time to find yourself a good a good religious guy, right? Good values, Torah, and fighting for the Jewish people, land of Israel. And the daughter goes, Dad, that would have been fine a week ago. But now All the IDF soldiers are wearing tzitzit and kippot on their head. I don't know who's actually religious and who's not as religious. That's the spiritual revolution going on in Israel today. The war is causing a spiritual revolution. More Jews in the state of Israel are strengthening their belief in God and unifying behind our Jewish character because of this war. I can't tell you how many videos I've seen of girls, who again come from traditional homes, but they wear non, um, let's just say non-flattering clothing, or sorry, they wear very non-flattering clothing, and then they were doing videos of tearing up and cutting up their non-flattering clothing and promising to only wear more modest clothes, okay? No one's forcing them to do this. No rabbis telling them to do this. These are young women doing it on their own. A spiritual revolution. I can tell you the amount of stories of again, secular, traditional people who do not keep the Sabbath like I do or religious people do, who promised, "We are now going to keep the Sabbath. We're going to be better about keeping the Sabbath." It's a spiritual revolution. It's a total 180 degree turn of where the country was with a very anti-Jewish, anti-Israel protest movement that started as anti-judicial reform, but exposed itself to be against the Jewish character of the state of Israel. And yet, before Simchat Torah, before the war, the actual war and massacre took place on the Shabbat Simchat Torah morning, That's what they were going to do. They were going to tear the country apart and shame us for our Jewish character. And God above said, no, no, no. This war, I want to see the Jewish people, how they're going to react to it. And the Jewish people, we are unifying and we are strengthening our Jewish character and strengthening our faith as a people here in the Jewish land of Israel, in our Jewish ancestral homeland. Can you believe it? It's unbelievable. It's totally unbelievable. It's like, Chaste Hashem! Oh my God, thank you Hashem! And the, Jewish beauty, the beauty of the Jewish people and the amount of good deeds going on and the amount of Jews helping one another and the amount of ultra-Orthodox Jews going to the army and the amount of ultra-Orthodox Jews who are helping secular Jews and secular Jews working, working with ultra-Orthodox. The amount of unity in the Jewish people today is phenomenal! And everything about the anti-Jewish agenda that the anti-judicial reform movement leaders tried to lead this country to it's fallen apart. And like I told you, anyone who's been following on my Pulse of Israel videos for the past year, since the beginning of the anti-judicial reform movement, I told you, the Jewish people, we are one unified people. There will not be a civil war in Israel because you need two sides for a civil war. And in Israel, we have one side, a strong united Jewish people, and one side show, a tiny minority, who are trying to divide us by their voices in academia and in the justice system and in the media that are blowing things out of proportion that don't really exist. And here in this war, we are seeing how right I was and how destructive and wrong and evil that protest movement was in terms of trying to divide Israeli society. And the Hamas t- terrorists themselves, oh, they'll go by light. And the Hamas terrorists themselves. Let's try to get some go more lit area. And the Hamas terrorists themselves told us that Hamas planned this. Attack because they saw the weakness of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. They're like, oh my God, the Jewish people are falling apart. The state of Israel is weak. We can destroy them. That's what that protest movement did. Made our enemies think they can destroy us. And they are so wrong. So wrong. We are a strong people, even if we have a minority who are trying to destroy us from within. We're going to overcome. We're already overcoming. We're going to overcome. All right, now I want to leave, leave you with one more thought, and then i got to run, because i got to get ready for my next my next, uh, uh, my next duty. Some people are saying, "Oh my God, now, after this massacre, right after this massacre and the mutilation of Jews, serious mutilation, disgusting mutilation, they are subhuman what they did to us, disgusting what they did to us, burnt us alive cut up body parts, beheadings, children, toddlers, it's disgusting, right? So some people are saying, oh, now finally, we're learning how evil they are and how despicable they are. And my, my answer to people who say that is, where have you been the past 100 years? They've been doing that to us for 100 years, just never on this scale. They massacred us in 1929. They massacred innocent Jews in 1936. Anytime they have a chance, they massacre us. Do you know how many families have been ruined the past 30 years since Oslo? Who've been decimated and even mutilated and even raped? I can't even say all the names, but I'm just going to give you some of the big ones. The Fogel family, in their home, murdered, decimated in their own home. The Hatuel family, a whole family wiped out except for the father. Every, the mother and all the daughters in the car wiped out. A uh, shall have it pass a tiny baby shot in the head by a sniper. uh, uh, uh Halel Yaffa Ariel murdered brutally in her own bed in her own home outside of Kiryat Arba. Do you know how many stories of their evil? But they've mostly happened to Jewish families who live in Judea and Samaria, and then Gaza when we were living in Gaza. So the media didn't focus on how evil they were. Because it, it didn't happen to the Jews living in Tel Aviv. It didn't happen to, to leftists, right? And, and their brothers. I don't care about our divisions. I'm just saying, on a conscious level, and on a, on a PR level, because it was religious Jews and settlers mostly murdered in these evil, evil ways of our... Arab, Muslim, Palestinian Nazis. So they they never called out the evil. They're like, oh, it's because they're religious. Oh, it's because they're settlers, right? Oh, we have to get rid of the settlements. We can't be there. If we just pull out, then everything will be fine. So they never, and I'm talking about Israeli society and Israeli media and the politics, they never focused on the evil of our enemies because it didn't happen to them. It happened to the other, right? I tried to talk about their evil for decades. And some other politicians tried to talk about their evil for decades. Not only that, I'm going, to go on a, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. There's one politician who, I mean, plenty of politicians said this, but there's one politician who was so on target. His name was Michael ben and he was called a racist, right? And in two, 2018, he actually said that because of the horrendous Israeli policies of destroying the Jewish communities in Gaza Strip, expelling all the Jews, and ha- not taking care of getting rid of the evil terror network in Gaza. He said one day the, the Gaza Arab Muslims are gonna storm into Israel and storm into the kibbutzim and kill innocent Jews in their beds and shoot rockets all over the country. Guess what happened to him? The ethics committee, the justice system punished him, punished him for saying that because he was a racist. Okay? That's the progressive Western mindset. He said exactly what was going to happen. Exactly. And not only was he not taken seriously by the media, by the justice system, by the political system, they punished him. They punished him. All right? And they called him a racist. Guess who was right? He was right. 100% right. Guess who else was right? Anyone who follows Kahana? Kahana? or knows about Kahana's teaching, Kahana was right. Kahana talked about it. And they called him a racist because he was a follower of Kahana. So it's very easy to say, oh, he was a follower of Kahana? He's a racist? Get rid of him. He's Puzzle, right? So anyone that sounds like that, now all of a sudden people are realizing, oh my God, he was right. The video of, uh, and, and the text of what he said back in 2018, everyone was saying now, he was right. But the media and the and the culture punished him because no one wants to be racist and say those things. Oh, it's not the Arab Muslims. It's not everyone in Gaza. Well, yeah, there, might, there, are some, there are some innocent ones that try to escape it all, but these parents teach their kids to kill and murder Jews. And anyone who's innocent there, well, they're going to try to escape and save their lives, but most of them, they're not. So that's, that's, that's the tangent for a second. But what was I saying before? Someone was saying, oh my God, if this massacre, if this massacre that just happened in Simchat Torah, would have happened to Jews and to Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, we'd be living a different reality. Because... Israeli society would have looked at, oh my God, a thousand Jews in Judea and Samaria, in the communities in Judea and Samaria, have been attacked and massacred and mutilated? Well, that means we shouldn't be living in Judea and Samaria. That would have been the narrative of the media. That would have been the narrative of the international media. That would have been the narrative of the Israeli media. That would have been the the narrative of the Israeli justice system. And it's a horrible way of looking at this, but because the massacre took place to uh, communities that are in Israel proper, as people like to say, which I hate because Judea and Samaria is Israel proper also, but for people to understand. So it's, there's no argument whatsoever that the communities on the Gaza envelope are belong to the state of Israel. Like there are no legal claims whatsoever. There's no occupation, even according to the occupation lies that the international community like to say. But because it happened to those communities that were part of Israel proper, and even more so that those, most of those communities, they're all left-wing political communities. People who believed in peace with the Arabs, who even had meetings with bereaved parents of terrorists. Like they were so delusional about their thoughts about peace with the Arabs of Gaza. And then they had the Gazans in their homes and they helped Gazans. You're talking about communities, not all of them or not everyone, very, very left-wing. And people who many of left-wing activists are related or grew up there and who the media, because they're left-wing, they, they associate with those kibbutzim, with those communities. So because the massacre happened to them, all of a sudden the mainstream secular, left-wing Israeli society in the media, and not academia. Academia is not really waking up. But in Israeli society, they woke up and they're like, oh my God, they're evil. So it's like a horrible way of looking at it, but it's only because the massacre took place to those communities that today Israelis and Jews around the world and are waking up and seeing how evil it is because if it would have happened to us in Judea and Samaria, we would have been ignored. Oh no, it's your fault because you live there and you're occupiers. Right? The, the, the narrative would have been totally different and we'd be in a different place. So it's a horrible massacre. The massacre is horrible. The lives lost are horrible. But it's just, if you look at things at a different level, it's just like, oh my God, if it would have happened here, then Israelis and Jews all over the world would not be as upset Because it would have been turned into a political thing. So th- something to think about everybody's it's just it's it's mind-blowing to think about All right, I gotta go, but everyone I'm Israel, We're a strong people And it, it's not about the leadership. I've told you this before our leaders are are, are, are um, Fallible they make mistakes. It's the Jewish people. It's the strength of the people. It's the strength of our faith in God and knowing that he believes in us. We're gonna get out of this. We're gonna get out of this stronger, and more united than ever before. So you pray. Us soldiers, were on the front lines. You, if you're not on the front lines, you know what your weapon is? You have just a strong weapon. Your weapon is prayer. Your weapon is talking to God and asking for him to help the Jewish people end this evil and say that. You're not supposed to be realistic when you talk to God. Talk to God asking for the moon, folks. It's God. He can do anything. Ask for the moon. Ask for the Jewish state of Israel to get rid of this evil. Ask for the Jewish state of Israel to be a light unto the nations so the other nations of the world wake up and defeat this evil, which is everywhere and is going to spread everywhere. Ask for the moon. Talk to God. That's your weapon. Use it. Not for me. Not for the Jewish people in Israel. Not for the state of Israel, not for the Jewish people around the world, but for your own lives, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish. Use your weapon of prayer. He's there. He's listening. Are you using the weapon that he gave you? All right, so everyone pray, I'm out of here. Signing off for another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our beautiful Judean hills. If you are not yet a subscriber to my Pulse of Israel videos, go to pulseofisrael.com and click to subscribe. And if you want more people to see this video or any of the videos of my Pulse of Israel videos, go to pulseofisrael.com and click on the donate button to donate so we can promote these, this video or any video to be seen by many more people. And we're bringing the geula, folks. These are redemptive times. Thanks for watching. Shalom.